Hey everyone. Hello. 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 We got a bunch of people hopping on. I am, I say this on every one of my CCA Zooms every week, but I am genuinely so excited to be able to talk about this stuff today. Um, I, I do best, and you know, it's funny, the topic of the talk is ADHD and hormones. And I find that I do the best when I'm almost on the fly with stuff. So the other day I was talking to someone and we were just going back and forth about how do you know, why do I post about ADHD and hormones? Like, what do they have to do with each other? Um, and I just thought it would be a great opportunity to be able to offer this up to talk to some people I don't get a chance to speak with very often, not directly, but you know, in a capacity like this. And at any point, if anyone has any questions, I love the chat feature. So definitely questions, feedback, um, if you connect with anything, add it in the chat. There might be something that you think of or that you pick up on that maybe someone else is, and they might be shy to say it. So I think that that just adds to all this. So this impromptu masterclass, um, how I'm going to kick this off is I'm going to tell you who the hell I am. And I'm going to a little bit about why I created the program that I did, kind of the reasoning behind it. And then I'll give you guys some common information you might relate to, and then some tips to try and make it better. And if at the end, anybody wants to go any further, I'll give you some details and I have a couple of specials going currently. So let's get into the, the juice of it, right? Who the hell am I? So my name is Michelle um, and I've had chronic illness since I was about seven years old. I was diagnosed first with type one diabetes. No one else in my family has it, so awesome. I get to introduce that to the genetic line. Um, but type one diabetes is much like with Hashimoto's, which I know a lot of people tuning in tonight also are battling Hashimoto's. Um, any major autoimmune disease, I forget, I think it was a nurse that said to me, analogy that she's like, it's like the sugar cube at the picnic. You know, you put out the sugar cube at the picnic and all the ants come. So whenever you have one of those like major autoimmune illnesses, there are often a lot of comorbidities as well and other illnesses that'll pop up in addition to the wonderful symptoms that we get to experience. So type one diabetes basically, you know, kicked off a shitstorm of other illnesses over the next couple of decades. Um, I have a couple of in inflammatory type of illnesses like uh, colitis. I also have rheumatoid arthritis, scleroderma. It's just a ridiculous list. I'm one of those people that has to take a pre-written list with me to the doctor whenever I go, or if I ever go to the hospital or something, just because it can get exhausting. Um, but growing up with that, I also didn't realize that I had ADHD. And I think that when you're already, and I don't know how many of you guys on here have been long-term chronic illness buddies like me, but I think that it takes such a hit at your self-worth to never feel well, that to then have the added bonus of like, well, why doesn't my brain work like other people? Like, why is this simple seeming, you know, mundane task? Why is it like I have an absolute resistance to just getting it done and getting my shit together? Can anyone relate so far? Tell me in the chat. If it's hitting home for you, how is it connecting? And it's hard too, because, you know, I find that with ADHD, we hate vagueness. Vagueness drives us insane because we want to do it right. We want, we have a, such a strong desire to just get it right and get it done and be consistent and have it, you know, be all nice and neat and tucked away and done. And I think that vagueness 
in chronic illness is kind of just so common. You know, you go and sit in front of a doctor that you've waited six months for this appointment for them to basically look at you like, why the hell are you here? Just lose weight. And I remember growing up, you know, I had weight issues all throughout my life. Um, I was about 80 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, and I just basically had that body my whole life. Um, and every doctor I encountered, I remember growing up, I was so rattled with eating disorders that I didn't even realize were eating disorders because I thought I was listening to the doctor. Doctor says eat less and move more. Okay, that's the only guidance they gave me. So I guess I'm just going to have to do that. And if I gain weight before the next visit, I mean, I have to try harder. And it all kind of adds up to this, pardon my language if any sensitive ears are listening, but I curse. So, uh, you know, it turns into this clusterfuck where it's just like, what do I do to get some semblance of life back here? Because you can't just say, I don't know, I just can't do it to a doctor. Or you can't just say, give me more detail if they don't know what detail to give you. And it just turns into this like, dead stop of hopelessness. At least that was the case for me. So going throughout school, <clears throat> um, I tested really well when it was like a standardized test, or if it was a subject having to do with uh, reading or writing or art or anything like that, no problem. Um, but if it wasn't something that I enjoyed, if it wasn't something that interested me at all, if I didn't find it challenging enough in the right kind of you know way, then it would be impossible to retain anything, not even just to pay attention, but like to retain anything. Even when I tried to pay attention, it would just cause frustration. So I somehow got through school, um, you know, and I think that it was really perplexing because when my teachers spoke with me, now granted going to school in like the early 2000s, like late nineties, not the best time I feel like, but, um, you know, my teachers would speak with me and they would say, they're like, you know, you're bright. You just have to apply yourself. And I can't even imagine all of the things that that set me and a bunch of you guys up for with that applying yourself. Well, if ADD, like the main thing about ADD is that you have difficulty applying yourself. How could you make your brain do something that it just doesn't do the way everyone else does? You know, so I didn't really have a whole lot of like passion or, or love for school. I loved learning about the things that I liked. I could absorb things that I was interested in rapid speed, but I just couldn't quite fit the mold in all of the areas. So I just made my way through. Um, I went to school and I was basically so excited to just work already. I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that, where it was like, you know, you enjoy learning, but it's like, it felt like school was such an obstacle and a roadblock to the rest of my life. Little did I know, <laughs> right? Wished for that way too early. But, you know, I, I did find passion in wanting to go to school for biology. Like I said, I grew up sick. You know, I had several illnesses all throughout my life. And I really wanted to find a way to get into the field that I loved and help people. And for me, I really wanted to go bio. My goal was to go into endocrinology or uh, neurology. You know, I wanted, I, I've always been really fascinated by the endocrine system since I was seven. And I've always been really fascinated by the brain, you know, the, the cognitive stuff, the physical stuff, all of it. It's so fascinating. Um, and then I, you know, realized that I had ADHD that was undiagnosed. I would go to my, I would go to college and I would go to that lecture hall. I would get there early. I would sit in the front. 
I would try to put out my phone without the professor seeing so I could record the freaking lesson. I tried to write everything I could. I watched YouTubes on how to take better notes and nothing stuck. I basically ran out of that hall overstimulated and just feeling defeated every day, like crying until eventually I was like, this isn't for me. I don't, I don't, I can't square peg round hole this forever. It's not exactly the cheapest place to do that at. So I went to culinary school. My goal was to make pastries for kids with um, like different intolerances, with diabetes, you know, kids like me who couldn't grow up having a regular birthday cake. That was my, I was like, it's creative. It's a little scientific. It brings joy. Perfect. And I loved it. I excelled, you know, in school. I looked forward to it every day. I, it was so hard in a different way. And I was just excited every single day. I absolutely adored it until my body said no more. <laughs> so um, I went and I graduated culinary school. I got some pretty prestigious internships until I realized that it was basically just free labor in New York City every day. And unfortunately, I never was notified of my trust fund that existed. So I couldn't really do that forever. So I just started trying to work. And I got jobs at bakeries, at restaurants, you know, and I loved it. I wanted to just absorb all that I could. Um, and I finally got a job as a instructor, a cake instructor, at a very prominent bakery, um, a televised bakery. It's where I met my husband. And I remember being so in love with what I was doing, but I could feel my body just like breaking down. Um, every day, I just like, my skin was getting worse. My hair was getting worse. My exhaustion, I was falling asleep driving to and from work, but then I couldn't fall asleep at night when I was in my bed. Um, my mood was just off the charts. Like I wasn't even someone I recognized anymore. My outbursts, like at just anyone who fell into my war path, basically. Um, I had a torsed ovary, an ovarian torsion, which is like the most painful thing ever. My ovary, because it was so full of cysts, it was like three times the size that it should have been. And I, something made it twist around itself and cut off blood flow. And I still went and worked all weekend, like doubled over. I couldn't really even speak as I was doing the demonstrations. Um, and that weekend really kind of opened my eyes because I was like, I have to leave. I cannot, I know you don't have a fill-in teacher, but I have to actually go to the hospital. So figure it out. And I went, because that's what it took back then for me to take a day off. Um, so I went to the hospital and they're like, sorry, we're going to have to take out your, uh, your ovaries. And I'm like, why do you need both? And I'm way too young. And they were like, well, we need both because in case this happens to the other one and we have to take them out because it, you know, the one ovary is literally dead. Like it's like, there's no blood flow to it. And you're going to have complications. So I pushed them off. I somehow, cause this can happen sometimes my ovary like twisted back. The joke is that I'm stubborn enough to just be like, no, you're not taking these. And I twisted it back myself. But after that, I had a newfound, I guess, respect for what my body could and couldn't do. I was still depressed because I loved what I was doing and I wanted to be busy and needed and go, excuse me, go, 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 you know, but it wasn't in the cards. So I said to myself, you know what I need? I need a nice steady Monday through Friday, nine to five holidays off an HR department, health insurance. If I need it, like I need stability. That's what I really need in my life. Guys, I was miserable. Like I, I got that job. Um, there's a really funny video 
about that job on my TikTok, by the way. I won't get into it now. But um, I got the job and I was miserable. I was so much more exhausted and stressed than I was before because I, I don't, I realized like I cannot force myself to do mundane tasks. I, it just doesn't happen. It's not a discipline thing. I realized that, like it is my brain, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. I can't do that. I, I just don't, it'll be messed up at some point. You know, it's why I can't braid. It's why I can't, there's a lot of things that I just cannot repetitively do. So I decided, uh, this was like 2015 or so. Um, I maybe earlier, like 2014, I got into selling supplements online and one of those like MLM things. And I really loved it because I, I've always been a science nerd. I, the products themselves were great, but I started working with people one-on-one and kind of coaching them on how to, not only just to use the products, but and other things that I had seen that had helped me because at this point, my health was doing a lot better. You know, I left that job. My stress levels were down. You know, um, I had began to form my protocol, you know, so I really loved sharing that with people. So long story short, I realized why the hell am I doing this for someone else? And honestly, if you're one of my clients, you know how I feel about supplements. I think that they're a big money trap. Anyone on here who sells them for a living, I love you still. Um, but that's just my opinion. So I decided to start my own coaching program instead and just do what I was doing for people before for free, you know, but, you know, having an actual program where it's paced out, it's everything. And I fell in love with it and it was not easy. If you've seen those memes about like, I wanted, I didn't want to work a nine to five. So I became a business owner and now I work 24 seven, literally that, (laughs) literally that. We're now here, obviously, years later. Um, I've been doing this for going on six years now. Uh, we've had clients all over the world, which has been absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, I don't have a huge following, but I guess my content really connects with people because the people that I've been able to work with and help, it's just been, it's been incredible. So those of you on here who are my clients, love you. So now... You might be watching this and saying, all right, so you're helping people figure out their health just because you got health issues. Yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> but I've also dedicated my life, the better part of my life, to understanding the deeper meaning behind what we see on the surface, trying to figure out you know, the systems that are in place. I've always had to advocate for myself. I have never had a choice but to have a tougher skin with doctors. I've, I was seven years old going to the hospital, having to argue with doctors about what potentially giving me the wrong insulin, you know, or, or combining two insulins that could literally kill me in one syringe and giving it to me, you know, these are, these are doctors. So from a young age, I've kind of had to have almost a different perspective and, you know, having to be responsible for waking up alive every day from seven years old, it does put things into perspective in terms of what we don't need to stress about. Um, And that's really what my program is built on. The amount of stress in our lives is unreal. And I don't have to tell anyone that, but I think that there's a lot of unavoidable stress in this day and age, but there's a lot of avoidable stress too. And I think a big part of that is working with how our brains work, figuring out how, what makes us feel better? What makes us feel worse? What's a realistic way to follow something? If we're just being told to do X, Y, and Z, and it goes against our natural way of being and the way our brains operate, that's temporary. That's not going to stick. That, that You're just acting at that point. 
And, you know, we all have good intentions. I've been through, oh my God, every diet under the sun trying to get better. But if it doesn't work long-term, if it causes stress, if it's not doable during even the most chaotic points of your life, then it's not sustainable. And if we're not factoring in ADHD into that puzzle of fixing our hormones, then we're just going to be on a frigging hamster wheel. So, you know, it's funny, CCA, we've been, my program, we've been doing this for years now. And when we started, it was literally just a one hour Zoom once a week with me and a client. That was it. Um, I love those calls, by the way, if any of you guys are on here from back in those days, but you know, now we have multiple coaches. I only hire former clients, you know, they have to be with me for at least a year before they can become a coach. We have a whole process, a whole system. We have weekly lessons, you know, it's kind of evolved, but the foundation has always been the same that life is not short. It's friggin' long. And if we're stressing and we're not happy and we're not doing something that gives us quality of life, that feels a lot longer. So a little long-winded as anyone on here with ADHD might expect, but I hope that this little intro has hit home. Tell me your thoughts if you're comfortable doing so in the, in the uh, chat. I'm going to read what you guys have said so far. I had a seizure in a class because I was terrified to leave his lecture because it was impossible. Oh my God. I remember I had a crying, shaking breakdown in a class because I could not understand what the hell the professor was saying. And he actually yelled at me for asking too many questions um, and then just told me like, you should just drop this class. And it was after the dropping period. So meaning you should just take an L on this one. That was the worst. Um, so me, but I never did start selling supplements. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting time. Um, I, should, I should definitely do some videos on my MLM days because you know, I was, I was good at talking with people to get them to want to do what I was doing, but then I never like, I sucked at pushing people because I'm like, I don't know, man, you're busy or something. you got kids. Like you don't want to do it. Like, and I had like my upper people being like, you got to stay on top of everyone. So yeah, no, it was an interesting time to say the least. Oh, thanks. Don't call me relatable. Um, um, one of your clients you have helped immensely. Oh, love you, Ash. I'm thankful for you. Um, I can say I really owe a lot of what you've been saying. Welcome to club. Um, I love a good quality supplement, but the thing is no supplement is going to matter if you don't address the basic needs first. Absolutely. I think, you know, I, when my clients ask me about what supplements should I take, I say you shouldn't take any because you don't need to take any, but if you are doing everything you can and you're, you're checking all the boxes outside of supplements and you want to add a supplement to kind of like boost the effects or something, then that's great. I think the problem becomes when people think take this and get this result. That's the problem. Like with vitamins and stuff like that, they help, but it's a supplement. It supplements what you do. So I'll get people coming to me and they'll be like, then my friend told me I need $350 worth of product every single month. To, and I'm like, no, no, you don't. <laughs> you just don't. All right. So why is working with neurodivergency so important for fixing hormones? I went over that a bunch in there. Um, neurodivergency real quick encompasses any kind of non-neuronormative behavior like ADHD, OCD, um, autism spectrum disorder. You know, there's all, all of that. It all encompasses neurodivergency uh, or neurospicy as I like to call us. So I think that 
the most important thing to watch out for are the common patterns that get us stuck. I think that that that's the biggest thing, you know, um, when it comes to that stuck mindset, there's a few things, you know, I think that executive dysfunction is really, really important to bring up. Uh, when my clients tell me that they haven't done a change that I recommended to them, I think it's important for us to not have such a high standard because if we're learning how to do something, we got to suck at it, right? Everyone who learns how to do anything sucks at it at first. So I think that if we have that, if we're not accepting that that executive dysfunction exists, and even though we can be up till 2 a.m. planning out everything, having the most concise plan, tomorrow I'm going to wake up, I'm going to do this, I'm going to exercise, eat right, quinoa, kale, let's do it. You can do that till you're blue in the face, but you're not actually going to do that because of executive dysfunction. So when I'm working with my clients, I think it's important. And for those of you who are, who are not clients, if your plan, whatever you're doing is not working out for you, break it down smaller. Because with us, when we get stuck, it's because, like I said before, we want to do really well. We want to make sure we do it right. We want to figure it the hell out already. So that'll usually have that kind of like analysis paralysis where you'll have a million things to do and nothing gets done. That's just the name of the game with ADHD. So <clears throat> here are some things I'm going to rattle off a couple of common behaviors that I see that make changes more difficult. And I want you guys to tell me if any of these sound familiar or relatable or anything like that. So internalizing not being perfect at something. I was mentioning before, who are my perfectionists here? It's almost like if you don't do it perfect, it's like I shouldn't have even done it. And then we remember that the next time. It's like, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Attaching sentiment and almost a childlike stubbornness. I used to, I feel this way about portion control, but sentiment and a childlike stubbornness to food changes. It's like, we're like, we dig our heels in the sand. And we're like, no, I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to give up another thing. Everything else in my life sucks. I want the freaking donut or whatever the hell it is. I think you could still eat the donut, but I digress. Um, being closed-minded to the idea of forever. So forever changes doesn't mean that you'll never have a slice of birthday cake again. It doesn't ever mean you're not going to have a beer again. What it means is the idea that if you have illnesses forever, you have to maintain them forever. These people I see online talking about healing their whatever the hell, like their thyroid or their PCOS, it's all for clicks. That's it. They're not actually healing anything. What they're doing is if they're not having active symptoms, they're probably just maintaining the imbalance that they have. And I think it's really harmful to say things like when I've healed, once I've healed myself, because if they didn't stick to that really, you know, it's oftentimes unsustainable protocol that they're pushing, I don't know that they'd be healed because that doesn't happen. It's an incur they're incurable illnesses. So I think that having that, that idea of like, well, if I make these changes, I'm going to wait till I see the results. I've been good. I can let it go. Oh, it's been a year now. We set up these like milestones for ourselves when really it should be, here's my mode of being. And then I will judge the exceptions as they come. I think a lot of times that goes with the next one, which is an all or nothing approach. A lot of people with ADHD do an all or not, they have that all or nothing approach because it makes it feel safer. 
it feels like the harder it is to do, the harder you go after something, the better your odds of it succeeding will be. And when you've had failures of the past, you're going to really put your all into getting that result. But that's not re realistic or sustainable because it's not always going to be like that. You're going to have like moments where you're learning and stuff like that. So that idea of treating it like treating food, like we've quit cigarettes, right? Like 10 days without a cigarette, you know, three days without a cigarette, and then you eat something and it's like back to square one. I think that that just keeps us stuck. Um, and then patience kind of goes with that. You know, if you're crossing off the days on the calendar till you can stop doing whatever it is you're doing, you are literally counting down the days until you stop doing the thing. So that's not sustainable. You're like looking to celebrate the end of this period of your life. Like, of course, if you don't get results after suffering for a month straight, you're going to be like, oh, nothing works for me. That's not what it is. So let me see what, what are you guys related to so far? Tell me your thoughts. Let me go back here. Michelle has been, has changed my life. Been working with for about nine months, my mental, physical and everything in between. Oh, I love working with you. It's the only program that has ever worked for me and that I've stuck with. Uh, weight, weight and inches are down, but most importantly, I'm not hungry or stressed over food. You've grown so much. I have loved seeing the progression over our calls. I love it. I love it. I take adrenal cocktail, electrolytes, and a vitamin pack, but I took those before I started working with you, and I had so much to work on with sleep, eating, stress management, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way around that. You know, stress, stress will get us every time. There's, everyone always jokes about how, and not to make this like a gender thing, but this, this example that we've seen time and time again throughout, you know, all throughout uh, memes and stories and whatever. It's the idea of a couple decides to diet or lose weight. And, you know, the, the chick is like on an elliptical all day long, eating only vegetables, stressing out about every little thing, weighing herself every day. And then her husband like doesn't give a damn, like stopped eating cheese as much and like switched to diet soda and walks once a week. And like the end of like a month, how, you know, the wife or whatever has lost nothing, maybe gained a pound. And then there, the husband who has had this lax approach to everything has lost like 10 pounds. I, use, I always joke. I'm like, Nick can eat whatever the hell he wants. I look at food. It's like, you have another, you have a size up in those pants, you know? Um, and it's just, I think that besides the hormones, I think what people miss from that example and that comparison is the difference in stress that exists. The amount of stress that one person is putting on their body every day, drastically changing what they're eating, running their ass off as much as possible, harping on what hasn't changed, being stressed about what hasn't changed versus the husband like making a couple food swaps and walking. And it really doesn't have to be so hard. You know, I mean, granted, there's a lot more to it, especially for us, but I always keep that in mind. If you are stressing out like crazy about something, well, I don't care what diet it is, it's doing you more harm than good. It's counterintuitive at that point. So, um, the first account I found that I could see that change in terminology and was the reason I followed you. Hey, <laughs> I'm glad you did. And you can go back to how it was if you go back to the triggers that made it worse. Like there's no shame in addiction. It's a disease like anything else. Absolutely. I think that, you know, 
um, it's another matter of the brain. Um, and I think that if we're working with the way our brains work, there's not these like cliffs to fall from, right? If we're trying so hard to just do something the same kind of way, when we don't do it that way, it's like such a defeat. And I, how is anyone going to succeed long-term at something that makes you feel constantly defeated? So when I, when my husband and I did whole 30 together, he lost 25 pounds in a month and I gained one. It's just ridiculous. It's just, damn it. <laughs> so let's see here. My notes are typed out in a very ADHD way. So bear with me. Okay. So as I mentioned before, here are some things that I commonly see like actual problems, and then we'll talk tips. So analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis is something where you, like I said before, you could know that you have a million things to do. You could walk through your house. <laughs> Does anyone do this? Oh, tomorrow I got to do this. Later on, I got to remember to do this, this, and this. Um, I have to run to the store. I have to return that. Okay. Yeah. When I get out of, when getting out of the shower, I have to come in here and just clean this whole shower tomorrow. Like you just walk around collecting shit that like you have to do the next day to the point where you're stressed. Cause you're like, did I do anything today? Like, why am I so behind as an adult? This is awful. Um, and then nothing gets done. It becomes so overwhelming. You end up just going on a scroll hole or binging something on Netflix and it's like out of sight, out of mind, but not really because you're surrounded by it. So anyone experience that? My kids taught me I have ADHD and I don't want to keep talking to myself about food in a way that I would never to them. I love that so much. That's so important because I'll tell you what, a lot of my clients come to me and they feel the way they feel about their body, but they also grew up constantly hearing toxic food talk, constantly hearing toxic body talk at home in their own childhood, you know? So breaking that is really hard, but I'm proud of everyone here who's trying to. Um, when, tomorrow I'm going to make a calendar wall, a uh, calendar wall to write down that every Wednesday I'm going to pick up dog poop tomorrow has been like for three months. Yes, exactly that. We have a box from Chewy that's been in our front hallway forever. Like our dogs have not gone in the carrier that we bought for them. And we're very excited to receive. It's just been sitting there. So, you know, quirks, huh? I do this all the time and get overwhelmed and then lay down. Yep. Definitely every day off. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to clean out my front hall closet today, but once I took everything out, I got so overwhelmed and just kind of shoved it back in there. I have done that so many times. So this is the first house that I have organized and like stuff put away. Um, not for nothing. It is a privilege to have been able to build storage into this house. I just have space to put stuff, but um, something that can be kind of common with OCD and ADHD, both of, with, both of which I have. Hoarding. Hoarding and extreme messiness, extreme clutter, those are things that no, we don't want to be that way. We don't want to live in a pile of wreckage, but overwhelm, executive dysfunction, all of those things, they really, it, it mounts. 
And this is the first house we've had that hasn't had like an absolute doom room or two, or just like drawers that just are full of shit that we have no idea where anything goes. And it's just in there, you know, it's, it's so stressful, but there have been plenty of times where I had the best intentions to be like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to clean this all out. Let's organize the office. And it's like 1030 at night and I'm just shoving everything back in there for another day of defeat tomorrow. So definitely feel that. My mom talked about how much she hated her body, was fat, hated pictures of herself, needed to lose weight, took diet pills, did the cycle over and over. I grew up attaching my worth to how I look and now not liking how I looked at every size. I had to unlearn everything that was ingrained in me. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Also, <clears throat> it's also dealing with this society. I can't stand, like I really thought we were better than this, but to see the verbiage and how people are talking about the early 2000s fashion trends coming back is really, really sad. Um, like I thought we were so beyond this, but I saw someone the other day saying that it's the year of the thigh gap and the hip bones. And I'm like, no, it's never that year. No, I refuse. I refuse. So it's just crazy. If you're not getting it from home, it's like bodies are fashion. That's messed up, you know? So early 2000s need to stay their ratchet ass back there. I'm not down with the low rise jeans or the juicy track suits that are four sizes smaller than it says. So anyway, how about this one? Overwhelm with delegation or asking for help? Who finds that sometimes it's harder to think of what you would even ask somebody than to just do it yourself? Even if you're burnt out, even if you're exhausted, even if you're about to scream at everyone who gets in front of you, it is still easier to just do it yourself rather than interacting with another human being and having to place it in their hands. That's me all day with the OCD, for sure. Um, or delegation, not getting worried that someone's judging you for delegating for, you know, I remember, I have, a, I have a full staff and one of my, I forget, one of my coaches one time was like, you know, you can ask us to do that stuff, right? And I was like, yeah, she's <laughs> like, you know, but it's hard to remember, especially if you've had ADHD, you know, your whole life and it's never really been acknowledged, then you're just kind of used to feeling like you have to earn your keep, prove your worth, make sure you're the go-to, you fix everything, you're the, you know, all reliable at the workplace, whatever, whatever it is, you know, we build our worth and our productivity, which is why ADHD messes with our emotional health so much. So, <clears throat> sorry guys, these allergies are like kicking my ass. Um, the bell bottoms can stay, everything else can F up. Okay, bell bottoms were way before the early, early 2000s and I agree, they'll always be here. <laughs> yeah, no, bell bottoms with like something of a, of a freaking crotch, that would be great. When I ask for help, I often say, and I can do this for you, LOL, why? So we, we ask to do things for people. We say yes to people. We take on more than we need to. We make other people's problems our problems because it all circles back to the ADHD need for dopamine. We hunt for dopamine, which is what we release when we're doing something good for ourselves, when we're being rewarded, when we're getting praised, 
when we're being, when we do something right and you know, you make your bed, you release dopamine, you feed yourself, you brush your teeth, blah, blah, blah. If you have an issue where you're always hunting that dopamine, um, that makes a lot of sense. If it, if we find our dopamine in people pleasing, it's very common recovering people person, people pleaser. I'm not going to recover from being a people person, but people pleaser. Yes. Seems so much easier to do it myself because I know it'll be done right. Oh my God. Learning, learning a, that there is a threshold for right enough has been life-changing. Ask yourself, it's kind of like if you were working at a job where you were getting paid absolute crap and you were doing way more than you were hired to do, right? It's like, you want to think about it as like, you'd probably come to a point where you're like, I'm just going to go in there, do the bare minimum and get the hell out. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I don't understand. We're all so programmed that if we're told here's our threshold, we have to be up here. That's ingrained in us, you know? And I think that's because we want it done right, but we also want to make sure that we don't get in trouble for delegating it out or ask, like, if I ask for help and it bites me in the ass because they don't do it right, then, but judge for yourself what that threshold of right enough is. If it's just simply getting it done and someone else can do that and that's good and right enough, great, you know? So right enough has been life-changing for me. I hope it helps you. Um, it's so hard to figure out what you actually need and then to communicate it and trust that it will be right. Yes. So to trust that it'll be right, you know, to, fit, to, to state how you would need help or whatever. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable about what you're experiencing. That is something that I feel like we don't talk about ADHD enough when we have it ourselves. Or it's kind of like a shame thing or whatever. Um, and I love that I'm seeing so much about it online these days, like on TikTok and everything like that. But of course, now there's that whole like, not everything is ADHD from people who don't have ADHD. But honestly, it's okay if everything's related to ADHD. It's our brain. It literally powers the whole thing. So it makes sense if everything's a little ADHD. So my point is be vulnerable and say, I'm having an ADHD moment and this is just overwhelming for some reason. Um, can you just help me get started? And then ask for that one thing that, that you might need. You know, even if it's, uh, I have a client, I told her, you know, she's like, I tell my husband, can you please just go paint the deck? That was the example that we used. And um, he's like, I like painting things. It's the prep that gets me. It's the stopping what I'm doing and going and getting the tarp and the brushes and the buckets and go setting it up and then beginning. So we worked it out where he, if she wanted him to go do the deck, he'd say, okay, can you please just go put the stuff out there for me? And then she would do that and he would finish out the deck. So it's about asking what you're struggling with, with the ADHD. Don't have shame around it because if you could choose to do it a different way, you would, you would. If you, if you could choose to either struggle to get it done and be stressed or to get it done effortlessly, you would choose the effortlessly. So if that's not what's happening for you, don't hesitate to say, I'm just a little overwhelmed with this right now. Could I just get your help doing? And then give a little action. Sometimes that one step, that one little action that somebody else can help you with just gets that ball rolling. And that's all we really need. I hope that helps. I'm guilty of canceling appointments for myself and my kids because I don't want to ask for the time off. Ooh, anyone else relate to that? Well, I think first it's establishing what about time off makes you feel bad? 
And I think we should all just learn how to be like more defensive for ourselves because if someone else says, you know, like if someone at your work is like, well, why, why did you take so much time off for this? First of all, you're not someone who takes a ton of time off, right? If you're terrified to take time off for doctor's appointments, chances are you work every freaking day that you can and you, it's a rare thing. So if you knew, if you do need to take a time off for an appointment and anyone comes at you for that, it's perfectly fine to say, I'm not out joyriding. I'm getting doctor's appointments done. I'll make sure all my work is completed. No worries. And let them feel how they feel. If they don't like it, they can go find someone else, right? I, get, I bet you they won't. They'll just like, like see you working every day and then be okay with your rare doctor's appointments that you need off. It's the fear that keeps us doing the same thing. And if everything falls through the cracks, here's my favorite quote. If you don't get profit sharing, it ain't your problem. Set it as a business owner. So honestly, like, I'm still here. Just the paintings fell off the walls behind me and took out my lighting. So hang on. <laughs> so that happened. Anyway, we're back. <laughs> so I have no idea what I was saying. I'm not going to lie. That was crazy. Okay, let me just catch up on this chat and I'll dive back into my notes there. Whew. Cody, you want, Cody wanted to help me with ordering diabetes supplies because it has been a huge stressor and I loathe it. I couldn't let him do it because there were so many things that I knew he wouldn't know to pre-solve. We conversations I have to have with insurance. So that's awesome. Another way you can do it is, can you guys hear me okay? Now it's saying my connection's unstable. Okay, so another thing you can do is you can have him call it in and just be on standby. And if there's anything that you have to give him additionally, then you just write it out. If there's anything you're picking up on from the conversation that you have to make sure that he mentions, just jot it on like a little notepad or something there. If it's a day that it's like, I really cannot do this and it's really imperative if that ever happens i love your little solution though that's another great way to do it sometimes feel i feel annoying talking about my adhd and adhd symptoms but that goes back to the whole feeling like a burden thing no if people don't want to be in your life because you have adhd they would suck as friends so life is a sifting process I've found, and I'm not going to put my energy and my worth into people who are actively not trying to understand and accept me. Um, and it's a scary thing because I haven't always felt that way. I kept a lot of really advantageous, terrible friends around just because if I could mask enough, it's better than not having friends, but it's actually not. It is a lot better to not have shitty friends in your life. So, and that goes for anything, you know, work relationships, relationships, friendships, all of that. Anyone who's annoyed by you talking about your ADHD does not have to live with ADHD. So the very least, if they can't hear you talk about it, that's a waste of time, in my opinion. I know that's harsh. And a lot of times too, people don't care, it's us. That's the other thing to remember too, is that I'm sure if you said, I feel annoying talking about it, that there would, I can't imagine everyone you'd say that to would be like, yeah, you're really annoying. A lot of them would probably be like, oh, it's totally fine. And it's our own insecurity about that. But either way, if ever 
you know, you are honest about what you're about dealing with ADHD and someone faults you for it. Ew. Yes, I'm okay. <laughs> it narrowly avoided my shoulder. So we are good. Because there was another one, like I had two of my Marilyn pictures here and I'm too lazy to drill them in. So I just insist on ruining my wall with command hooks that fall out all the time. So I just didn't think it would fall out during the broadcast, but we're fine. I feel like it's hard to talk about sometimes because I am undiagnosed, but personally I have appointment diagnosis fatigue, so I don't need it to validate it, but I feel like a fraud sometimes. Totally understandable. Um, you know, I, I think that hearing things like ADHD gets diagnosed way too much, it gets blamed way too much. Again, usually people who are neurotypical are saying this, which is like, yeah, you don't understand it because your brain just like works on the track during the day. Um, but any, anybody here, no one can contest your lived experience. They're not in your shoes. They don't live in this meat suit. They don't pay your bills. They don't provide you with fun. They don't provide you with orgasms. They don't provide you with anything but grief. Nobody else, anybody else that sits there and tells you what your existence is like. So diagnosed, undiagnosed, whatever. That's just, you know, semantics at this point, especially when it's so hard to get in. Like it's not accessible. The system to get, get help, get, you know, diagnosed, all that is not a very accessible system in general. Um, a lot of my clients, I, the, the system out in UK for this kind of stuff is so complicated from what I've heard from them. Um, and I think that if people are going to sit there and be like, well, you, you haven't gotten diagnosed, they have too much time to like, look at details. They should just be listening to what you're saying. And if you're struggling with something or you feel emotionally affected by something, whether or not that's written on your records or not by a doctor, that is your lived experience. They're not allowed to contest it. So, okay. And then lastly, I put on here, oh, that's what it was before the paintings fell down, perfectionism or the all or nothing mindset. So how do we, how do we fix this? I'm going to give you guys some tips. So baby steps, <laughs> baby steps. It's in CCA, everything is built on baby steps. People come into CCA expecting to change a million things. And we focus on one small change at a time. A lot of times the hardest part about that in the beginning is that we'll have to run in there and be like, oh, whoa, whoa, slow down, just focus on one thing because we'll tell them one thing to change and then they're, they want to do right. They want to do well. They want to see, you know, they want to be the star student. They, a lot of times people won't even apply until they, I don't know, feel like they have a ton of time on their hands or they're able to really give it their all. And it's not about that. It's about small, realistic changes. They still add up. And the time it would take for you to feel disheartened and defeated, you could be making small changes that don't feel that hard and, and they all add up. So the goal is whether you're thinking about, uh, you know, working on your health, your hormones, what you need to do, there's so much information out there. Or whether you're thinking about how you're going to organize a room, how you're going to apply for jobs, how you're going to switch your fall and spring wardrobes out each year anyone else's house a mess for like the two weeks that they have the bins laying out before they actually do it um but whatever the case may be baby steps nobody is on a time crunch but you if your house has been messy for 10 years nobody else gives a shit if it takes you two days to clean it versus two hours to clean it 
right? No one cares if you're going to be, you know, cleaning out the whole room overnight. No one expects that. You don't expect that. So don't put the emotional expectation on yourself that that's what's going to feel successful. Baby steps. You know, um, I think the hardest part about something that feels monumental is that when you do baby steps, you feel like you're just doing, doing, doing and not taking a chunk out of it. You're like, I haven't even made a dent. But if you're doing baby steps that suck, yeah, you might feel like that. If you're doing baby steps that you don't absolutely hate doing, it's not going to feel that way. For example, um, for my clients, when it comes to home organization, what I'll say to them is, is there any trash, any trash lying around? No judgment. You know, like, I'm, I'm, I don't mean that like they're living in a pile of dirt, but I mean, let's be honest, things get left, things get, you know, you wait, or whether it's something you're not going to use anymore, something that broke that you're saying, I'm going to fix that thing. And it's been two years now, and there's not a drop of super glue in sight, you know, like things like that. Um, I, I don't, I didn't write this down. This might be a one-off, but this is helpful. If you're someone with ADHD who has all these hopeful crafting projects that you're going to begin because you're creative. So you see something and you want to make it really cool. Put it in your calendar. If you want to do it so badly, take the second and find in your calendar when you're going to dedicate time to actually doing that and see how fast you don't feel like doing that anymore. Because I, I tell you, when I was doing my table, the epoxy table, my clients have heard this story so many times, but I think the epoxy drippings that came off of it were really cool. Like they look like icicles or something. And I, I don't know, it was really expensive. So I kind of couldn't fathom the idea of throwing away so much of it. Completely useless, dried epoxy, right? It was on the floor. <laughs> so, but I saved it in a box for like a week because I'm like, I'm going to do something with it. It's really cool. And my husband, bless his heart, just kept asking. He's like, you sure? You still want to keep this? You're going to throw this out? Are you sure? And then finally, I was like, do I actually want to do that? Like, I thought about it, putting that in my calendar and being like, okay, I'm going to dedicate time to doing this. And I was immediately overwhelmed at the thought. And then I'm like, if I really want it that bad, I'll make some freaking epoxy icicles when it comes time. It is, it was like April when this was happening. So like, it wasn't going to be time for icicles anytime soon. So just remember that if you tend to just amass stuff with the best intentions, and then your schedule reminds you like, relax, um, go put it in your calendar. And if you don't want to, then that's a good sign. You could toss it or donate it or whatever. Um, so yeah, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. Um, if you're following a plan that you see online that looks, you know, you're really hopeful about it and stuff like that. Don't, even if you have all the parameters, I'm not even saying if you want to work with me in general, even if you have all the parameters, you pick one, make it digestible, make it doable, make it a hack that you figure out how to do every day. And once that's good, move on to the next part of the equation, the next baby step and, and just build that way. If you're focusing on one thing at a time, that's a lot easier for us to do. And if you're not just looking for results, you're looking for ease. How easy is this to maintain? Not, am I seeing any changes? Because like, who knows when that shit's going to come? We got a lot of stuff to work on on the inside, right? That takes time to get those gears moving. So focus instead on how easy that baby step becomes to maintain. And when that's easy to maintain, you do the next one. Um, what did I write here? Okay, planning out your day in terms of bare minimum and standard over schedule. My CCA clients hear about standard over schedule all the time. 
Um, I don't think any of us, I said this before, like what's the problem with bare minimum? And honestly, you guys tell me, what is the problem with bare minimum? Why does it feel bad? If something is asked for us and the bar is set here, why do we have to set the bar even higher? Because when you do that, it becomes a lot harder to impress and a lot easier to let down. When we set the bar up here and we're always, you know, we go above and beyond because we always want people to think we can go above and beyond. Well, guess what you're always going to have to do to seem like you're at the same level of work above and beyond, right? But if you think about it as what do I have to get done today? So like my car doesn't get repossessed and my lights stay on, you know, like what do I have to do? So I don't like, you know, have something monumental happen as a result. What is like really actually do for me today? And do that instead of a to-do list. Have a massive running to-do list if you want. We all got them, I feel like, in one, one of our 57 unfinished notebooks. But I think that figuring out from that list what actually is necessary today gives us a clearer focus on what we can finish before then we move on to what we want to do. Do you want to rest? Do you want to get self-care? Do you want to take something off of that long to-do list that isn't urgent but needs to be done? But you know what your, your absolute musts are so you don't feel like anything's going to fall through the cracks. You're going to have a lot less stress around doing anything additionally. In fact, it might make you excited to do more things on that to-do list because you know you got your three, four, whatever things out of the way first. Standard over schedule is the idea of instead of saying, I'm going to go to the gym every Monday morning, Wednesday morning, Friday morning. Instead of saying that, where it gives you this very tight window of pass or fail, you make it to the class, you don't make it to the class or gym or whatever. Instead, you want to look at it and say, okay, three times this week, I'm going to go to the gym. And it could be any time. It could be if you remember, you want to go at 10, you want to go at eight, you want to go what, it doesn't matter. Three days back to back. It's just three this week. When you remember, you're like, oh, I didn't go yesterday, go to the gym. You know, like it's, that's my, I hate the gym. So it's not a relative thing for me, but you know, um, writing, I'm trying to write my book. It's so much harder than I thought, um, but I'm trying to write my book. So instead of saying like, I just got to write, 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 you know, or instead of saying I'm Thursdays at 12, I'm going to write instead I'm saying to myself, okay, so I'm going to have three writing sprints this week where I just write until I have another appointment that is about to come up. When I get the gray hair two, three times this week, I'm gonna write, write, write till I have a booking. Um, and I follow that instead, because for me, the flexibility of when that can be and not feeling bad about not doing it at the time I should do it, where everybody else is doing this thing, I work with the way that I work best. I do my best writing late at night sometimes. You know, my brain is still going and I'm tired. And I want to be relaxing. Um, I love journaling at night. I love writing out rough drafts of things at night, but we're told like, you know, 1030 at night and you're writing, that's wrong. You should be relaxing. But why? Should, should what? Anybody who's saying should do it this way, are they paying my bills? Cause they should be, you know? So um, what do you guys think about those tools so far? I don't want to overload you. I feel like I've tangented off and given, given a lot of other random tips, but what do you guys think of this stuff so far? On point. Thank you, Maria. I appreciate it. So, all right. And I know we're about to hit an hour. So 
I'll close out with this. And then I ask if any clients want to stay on afterwards and have any questions or want to do any q and I'm happy to answer. Um, but if you want more free content, because I want to give you more. I love it. I love talking about this stuff. But if you want more free content, I'm actually, um, for a limited time, it's open to anybody who has the link. So ask me for it on Spotify. I will be uploading the, our Sunday classes, the recordings of them onto my Spotify playlist. So um, if you want to kind of catch up and see what we're covering oh, by Tuesday after we do them, we do them every Sunday. So by Tuesday, they'll be in the playlist. So make sure you ask me for that link. We also have the Chronic Confidence Community page on Facebook and the Pudge page on Facebook. Those are going to be getting makeovers over the next couple of weeks. So if you're not in those, just send me a message and I can give you those links. Um, and if you did want to interview for CCA and see if this would be a fit, uh, then I would love for you to fill out an application. I'm not going to push that heavy, but it's ccacoaching.com. That's my website. If you put the word masterclass after your name in the application, I'm doing a hundred off for new clients. If you get through the process and we go ahead and do it. And if you're a former client, it's 200 off. So put the word masterclass after your name in the application at ccacoaching.com. And then those specials are good for that. And this is, this is going to be a recording. Um, I think it'll, this will be up in a few days as well. So if you want to go back and revisit. Okay. So whew. any questions I can help answer? Anything at all it could be about hormones, could be about ADHD. I will camp out here. I feel like I have a good couple minutes left of voice before this kicks out, but any questions? I'm always like, I wish I had the, the dots, like for when people are typing, like if people are messaging you and you see the dots that they're actually writing. Cause I'm always afraid to be like, I give it a minute. And then I'm like, all right guys, bye. And someone's just writing like a long comment to <laughs> break their hearts. <clears throat> yeah, my wall took a beating. <laughs> Maybe I should actually put these up. Any questions before we jump? Good night, sweet dreams. I'll wait another minute and then we'll hop call. God, I can smell Nick is making steak and burgers right now and I can smell them and they smell so good I'm so hungry thank you for tuning in I hope it was helpful um definitely shoot me a message if you have any other questions thank you so much for all this info it helps so much to know I'm not alone you are not alone um and I'm thinking I could probably host these like once a month on different topics I love doing this kind of stuff so if you guys found it helpful I am so happy because that was my intention and my hope so thank you guys for tuning in um and I hope you enjoy the rest of your nights and get lots of rest and I'll talk to you soon bye